Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to look at uh, a nugget of wisdom today in the scriptures very briefly together. But before that, I want to tell you something that might seem shocking. Uh, you have something that many people around the world wants from you. You have something that many people around the world want from you. Uh, and this thought uh, and the reality of this, it, it hit home for me just a couple of weeks ago. Slightly bizarre situation, but bear with me. Uh, I was on holiday, Jess and I and the kids. We went away with my parents uh, to Centre Parks a couple of weekends ago. It was a much needed break for all of us. And uh, we, I don't know if you've been, but there's a supermarket at Centre Parks. And I walked in the front door of the, the supermarket to pick up some bits uh, on, the, on the Saturday morning. And I was met by the bakery. And uh, just breathe in for a moment and you'll smell the bakery with me because it smelled good. Uh, and I uh, was drawn to it and I looked through the glass cabinet at the different things. Uh, and I, I bought one or two for myself. And then I went around the rest of the supermarket and bought some more stuff. And, and on the walk back, I, I stopped for a moment because I was a little bit confused. You see, I'd been taught, I think at GCC Business Studies, though I might have read it somewhere, that supermarkets always tended to put their bakery at the back of the store. Because if you put it at the back of the store and you put the milk at the back of the store, uh, you get the smell of the bakery come through the whole store. And the two things that people are most likely to pop into the supermarket for are bread and milk. And if you put them as far away from the front door as you can, then you've got the best chance of getting them to impulse purchase as they walk through the supermarket. And I stopped and I thought, why are centre parks? This place that's designed to extract as much money from you as possible, put the bakery at the front of the supermarket. And then I realised there was something else odd going on. Not only was the bakery at the front of the supermarket, but friends, they sold very little bread. Literally, there were some French baguettes and that was it. If you wanted bread, you had to have a baguette. There was nothing else. But there was a whole chilled bit full of pastries. There was a whole cabinet full of donuts. There was another place with big celebration cakes. And I went, ah... It's not a bakery that they're selling bread from at all. It's a place that's designed to sell you exactly what you want to treat yourself with when you go on holiday. You walk in, the bakery's there, it looks beautiful, it smells beautiful, you're hungry, you're relaxed, you are going to buy exactly what they're selling. The bakery placement, although different to your local supermarket, which you will now see when you go, that the bread and the milk are as far away as you can get from the front door, it was perfectly designed at Centre Parks because the thing that you have that many others want from you is, unsurprisingly, your money. Now, you might not feel like you've got much money. I know that in the West, we have this delusion that we just don't have much money. None of us do. Uh, but we do have some money and many people around the world want it. People spend their time. In fact, people are employed to spend their time working out systems and ways of getting our money out of our pockets and into theirs. Hundreds of millions of pounds, probably billions of pounds spent every year. And so this morning I've, I've got just a very small 
yet utterly life-changing piece of wisdom uh, that we find in the scriptures to share uh, and it is going to help all of us on the topic of money. That sound good? Any, anybody up for some help with money this morning? If you've got your Bible, you'll want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Slightly different place to go to than often for a talk like this, but hopefully it'll be helpful. I'm going to screen share. Brill. And we're going to read just the first four verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Bear with me. So, oh, now I have to flick this on. There you go. If you've not got a Bible, I've done it for you. It should be on your screens now. Four verses. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people. <clears throat> do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. A very simple and practical piece of wisdom from Paul writing to the church in Corinth. I just want to spell out really the key principle in this for us. We are a generous church. We've said this a lot. We've just seen evidence of that again. A lot of money given in, in a year where financial situations for some were very, very tight. And uh, as those entrusted with that money, as the elders of the church, we are incredibly thankful that you trust us in the way that you do. And that's why we're so keen to uh, be extra transparent in the way that money is used in the life of this church um, and you know please do go have a look at how we spend it and ask questions uh, it's all there for a reason it's so that you can see and so that you can see uh, that your trust is well placed uh, in how we're using the money we are a generous church and we want to continue to grow in this but here's the thing if you want to be a generous person then you need to be intentional about what you do with your money because many people around the world are working very hard to take it from you. Yeah. And these four verses that we've read here, they're not Paul's recommendation for giving to the local church. That's not what he's talking about here. This isn't Paul's recommendation for um, being financially sensible and saving some of your money. Uh, both of those things are good and, and it is God's heart that we give to the local church and that we save some of our money too. No, but Paul here is actually advising us about a third thing. He's saying, put some money away on the first day of each week for an additional act of generosity. You see, this church in Corinth has promised to give some money to the famine-stricken churches of Jerusalem and Judea. Miles away from them, Christians are starving. And they've said, we want to do something about this. We're going to have a collection. And Paul's saying, look, don't just wait for me to turn up and then have a special offering based on what's in your wallet. If you're serious about being a generous people, then each week set aside some money in proportion to your income and be ready to give it when I arrive to be taken away. I don't need to give you the big sales pitch. You're the ones who've said you want to be generous. So be intentional with your generosity. Help your brothers and sisters in the Judean church proactively. See, friends, this is the challenge. We live in a world that's designed to 
that is programmed for and is excellent at taking our money from us. There is a personalized advertising system set up specifically for you on your mobile phone. It tracks you, it listens to you, and it changes the adverts on different websites that you go to to sell you what you've been talking about or what you've been looking at. You might have noticed. No matter how hard you work in shutting down all of the different sharing and tracking things, somehow it still manages to personalize a system to steal your money out of your pocket, to take the money that you haven't been intentional with. The shops are designed to get more money from you than you are planning on spending when you go in. People are paid a lot of money to do this. The water that we swim in, the culture that we exist in this consumeristic age tells us that new stuff will make us happy. And that we deserve whatever it is that we want and we deserve it right now. That is what we're told day after day by the world that we live in. Friends, it is difficult to keep hold of your money. The, the simple truth is, just like in first century Corinth, if you don't plan for your generosity, somebody else will plan for your money. That's the challenge we face. And Paul's solution is very simple. If you wanna be intentionally generous, if you wanna be a generous person, it isn't just a case of making a budget so that you've planned how to spend what money you have, though that is an essential first step. And friends, as your friend and as a leader in this church, if you don't have a budget, what are you doing? Make a budget. It's very simple. If you have no idea where to start, please ask. We'll point you in the direction of excellent resources. It isn't just a case of making a budget, though. You see... If you want to be intentionally generous, this is what it means. It means you're going to need to intentionally live beneath your means. Let me say that again. You're going to need intentionally need to live beneath your means. You're going to need to spend less than you have. And you're going to need to plan on doing that because if you don't plan to do it, you won't do it. And this is, I think, one of the most radically countercultural things that Christians can do in our day to live beneath our means. It will cost you. It hurts. We have to fight to do it. It cuts against the grain of everything the world around us tells us every single day. Let me try and state this as starkly as I can. And I do mean these words. If we don't intentionally live beneath our means, we will find it very difficult to follow Jesus. Like this is not for the spiritually elite. This is the simple day-to-day -day steps of following Jesus. Jesus himself taught this very simply. He said, you can only serve one master. And if we don't take control of money, money takes control of us. Now, a note for those right now who have significantly less money than they really feel they need. I'm not trying to heap judgment on anyone right now. Uh, when you are running short of money is the time that often motivates us to get a handle on what we're doing. Sometimes life is really hard. Situations beyond our control mean that it is not possible to do what I'm saying today. I understand that. Um, Jess and I have been through seasons like that. We've had to choose to eat into our savings on a regular basis just to come through. 
what I'm trying to do is set a goal that we're aiming for in how we treat money in our lives. And for Jess and I, Jess stopped working um, when we had kids uh, and we survived with probably less income than we really required to, to, to live in the place we were living. And during that time, we felt that the pull of things that we wanted, but that we couldn't afford and we, we chose not to pursue them and to live quite frugally. Uh, um, for example, one of the examples would be we, we cut down how much meat we ate to like three days a week because it's much cheaper to eat vegetarian than it is to eat meat. Uh, there were holidays that we um, didn't take uh, or didn't go away for because we, we had to make our ends meet. We wanted to be generous with the money we had, and that meant really cutting back on things that, that many in our world would see as basic need. But one time, as we were beginning to, um, our income was growing, uh, Jess had started working again just a little bit, as she has done, and my salary had increased as hope became established as a church. Uh, one time when we were talking about money, which, again, if you're a couple and you're not talking about money, let me kick you up the bum today. Please talk about your money. Like, seriously, what are you doing if you're not talking about your money? Oh, one of the times we were talking about our money, we realized, hang on. We've got a bit of extra money and we're getting very excited about all the things that we could afford right now. But we have actually been living very well without having new things all of the time, without replacing some things that you know, we'd like a newer version or a bigger version. But do we really need it? Why is it that our default has jumped to spending all of this extra money that is now coming into our account? Quite a scary conversation, really. And we're not brilliant at this, but we have, as a couple, made several steps together in our generosity to go above and beyond what we felt was the bare minimum in terms of what we wanted to do to follow Jesus. We, we wanted to give above and beyond to the church. We wanted to give beyond to people who were in need. We wanted to support the natural world and, and efforts being made to protect it because we feel like that's a really important thing for us to do. We, we don't know we want to use what's coming in to be generous to uh, the world beyond our four walls. And we made those steps based on this wisdom. And uh, it's a joy to be in a place where we're able to enjoy the money that God has provided for us. We do enjoy some of it, but we also are growing in the generosity as we follow Jesus. This isn't a message that says you must never spend money on yourself. I'm just asking whether it's godly to us spend all of your money on yourself. And ultimately, generosity looks pretty different for different people. I read one of the most challenging books of my life a few years ago. It was called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by a lady called Rosaria Butterfield. And her and her husband, essentially, they have an open table every day of the week. Uh, and she says the most radical thing we can do is to live below our means so that we can feed other people in our house on a regular basis. They have all sorts of people come through their home, some stay with them for a while. Phenomenal book. You want to be challenged about money? Read that book. She spends, she and her husband spend their extra on being hospitable. It might be that for, for you, you're called to a radical philanthropy, giving money away to things that require financial, financial backing. For others, maybe actually the opportunity for you and generosity for you looks like modeling a godly and creative generosity to those in your workplace. 
to affect the culture in that place. Maybe it's those on your street. There are all different types of generosity. This isn't a talk where I'm going to stick the hat out at the end and say, now be generous to me. Now I'm asking you, what does generosity look like for you? Because at bottom, being intentionally generous comes from a very simple truth that alters the state of our hearts. And the simple truth is this. You might recognize these words. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And if I know that what I have ultimately belongs to God, then that moves me to generously use it for acts of worship. Because it's God's. And what he's entrusted to me, I will use for him. If in my heart, however, I claim ownership of it all for myself, this is mine. I will consume the entirety of it and probably a little bit more. Intentional generosity is, is not just a virtue to aspire to, though it is. It's the fruit of our hearts and what we believe about the things that we possess. Are they truly ours or are we stewards of them on behalf of God? Let me land with a couple of very simple thoughts about how we line our hearts up with this truth that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. First of all, to line our hearts up with this truth, we need to see afresh the generous love of God and his provision for us. If we truly see his generosity to us, as we've talked about a number of times in the worship already today, as Pete's mentioned in his slide, as we look at the beautiful creation that he shares with us, as we look at the way that he's provided for us step by step through our lives in different ways at different times, if we see the generous love and provision of God, if we see the way that he generously and sacrificially gives his son, Jesus Christ, to both demonstrate and reveal the Father's love for us, but also to do what we could not do and to destroy the power of sin which separated us from God, that guilt and shame and fear might be broken in our lives. If we see the generosity, the love, the provision, the kindness of God in these things, it moves our hearts to respond in love and generosity back to God. But there is a key second step to lining our hearts up with the truth. It isn't just that we will see that and it will automatically happen. It's that we will see that and we choose to respond. We choose to respond to the love of God by putting God first for ourselves. We choose to respond to the fact that he loved us first by now putting him first in our priorities, in our decisions, in the way that we live. He gave us everything. He held nothing back from us. And we choose to engage in the process of giving him our all in return. Not out of obligation, but as a, a free, heartfelt response of love to the generosity and love we've encountered in God. Friends, is a two-way mechanism. We see and encounter the love and generosity of God and we choose to respond because we put God first. And we choose to be intentionally generous in our lives because we want to look like Jesus, who was generosity personified. 
We're going to go in a moment into breakout rooms, but I just want to pray for us first of all. I'm aware I am banging very hard onto um, an area that is sensitive in our culture, but I believe God's heart for us is to win, <laughs> to win in a godly way in this area, to not be beaten and defeated by money, but to use it for godly purposes and for the kingdom's sake. So why don't you just look to God for a moment? Why don't you be honest with him about how you feel, about what you have, about how you feel, about some of the things that I've said today. If you're fuming at me right now, please fume at God for a moment and see what he has to say. If you're struck to the heart, then be honest with him about that. And I'm just going to pray for us. Father, we truly are amazed at your generosity to us. We didn't deserve it. We did nothing to earn it. But in your great love for us, you were extravagant. You went above and beyond in creating this beautiful world and providing for us step by step and doing what was necessary to reconcile us to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. You truly are generous. And Father, we want to look like you. We want to be like you. We want to be generous too. We pray, would you help our hearts be moved this morning and also for our, uh, our hands, our lives to be moved in response to it too, that we might take steps to be a generous people today and in the days ahead. Lord, we want to show the world around us your generosity. We want to walk more fully in what it is you've won for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We want to worship you wholeheartedly because everything, everything is yours. Help us, we pray. Fill us with your spirit. Help us get free of the hold of our culture. Help us follow a kingdom culture, not the culture of the earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.